Welcome in. We are fueling your need for Rockets content. This is Clutch Fans Rockets Fuel, and this is our very first podcast, and we want to welcome everybody in, and thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to be doing these uh, to start off with once, once a week, and then, of course, once we get closer to the draft and the draft lottery, uh, we'll get back to our normal two times a week. And before we uh, kick this thing off, I wanted to definitely uh, thank Dave from Clutch Fans because um, – Without him, we probably wouldn't even come together to do this podcast. Um, so he's definitely one of the original Rockets blogs, Rockets fan sites. Probably legend. original. <laughs> he's a legend. Everybody knows Clutch Fans. Even if you don't know Dave's name, you know Clutch Fans. So first off, I want to thank him. And he's definitely going to be a uh, part of this show a lot. We're going to have him on the show. He's going to be doing a lot of stuff in the, in, the, in the background as well. So first off, I want to thank him. Um, of course, Hopefully you know me by now. Um, I'm Lashard Binkley. I'm one of your co-hosts. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. I'm also a contributor for the Dream Shake, and I also cover the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. I'm sorry, the G League champion Rio champion. Grande Valley Vipers. I covered them. It was my the champions exactly. It was a great, uh, great time. Great talking to the coaches and players. Um, so that was a great experience. I look forward to doing that again next year. And with as young as the Rockets are, I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot more Rockets players down in the G League. So looking forward to that. Um, but before we go any further, I want to give my esteemed co-host a chance to introduce himself. Yes, I'm Anthony Duckett, formerly of uh, Space City Scoop. Um, did some work with uh, Lashard at Apollo as well. Um, always a pleasure to to be doing pause with you, but very excited to have this uh, this show. Uh, as you mentioned, Dave, much respect to Dave. Uh, again, without him, we wouldn't even have this. Um, but I'm looking forward to get this kick kicked off, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we have done so many podcasts together. We might as well already had our own show. So articles it's good to together, too. <laughs> articles, everything. So we, we've been doing this rocket thing together for a while. So it's definitely excited to actually be able to do our own show um, under the Clutch fans' name with their help. So, I mean, it's just a, a, a great time to get this kicked off. We wanted to get this kicked off before we actually got to the draft lottery. Of course, the playoffs are going on right now. Actually, pretty exciting playoffs are going on right now. We're all the way into the second round now. So, it's still a lot to talk about. But, of course, our main focus is going to be about the Rockets and their future um, coming up into this draft lottery, another huge draft lottery coming up. Uh, actually, uh, next month, um, Pretty soon, in a few weeks, we're going to know exactly where the Rockets will be picking uh, with that first pick. We already know the second pick is going to be the 17th pick, um, unless they trade up or trade back. Who knows? Um, anything could happen. We didn't expect them to have four picks last year. So anything's possible going into this draft, but the draft lottery is going to be huge. Uh, we're definitely going to be all over that. Maybe doing some collaboration with other people, maybe doing our own thing live. One way or another, we'll be part of that draft lottery uh, night as well. But in this very first episode, we're going to kind of talk about just the whole Rockets season in general. Um, it's been a while since myself and AD have talked um, about the Rockets, you know, on podcast. So we definitely want to just give our thoughts about this season as a, an entire season as a whole. And then also we're going to be breaking down this second segment. We're going to be talking about who we would kind of prefer coming up in the draft. Um, it's kind of hard to predict with who you want in the 17 pick because there's so many things can change. But as far as the top of the draft, uh, we're going to kind of give our thoughts on that and just kind of talk about the NBA in general. And, of course, we're going to be talking about um, AD's favorite player, James Harden, and how he's going to uh. have to uh, become Superman in the next round. So uh, <laughs> before we get into all that, I, I want to kind of start off with um, talking about the Rockets' season in general, you know, we we all know how it ended with them having the worst record in the league, how it all started with 
the problems with the rotation and who should be playing and who shouldn't be playing. Some of that was cleared up towards the end of the year, but of course we still had a lot of people that had questions about how Silas is running out the rotation and who should be starting and things like that. And one other thing we're actually going to talk about that just kind of popped in my head is the whole KJ Martin thing. We, his father was on um, yeah. podcast not too long ago talking about Sirius XM. Yeah, Sirius XM, where he was talking about his thoughts on how the Rockets have been using KJ Martin Jr. and kind of what his future possibly could be. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we get to that, AD, I want to ask you, what was kind of your thoughts on the entire season, how it ended up playing out, how some of the players were developed? Um, how do you, did you think they improved at all throughout the year? Um, what was kind of your just impressions of the entire year? Um, the year went about like we expected. I mean, we knew coming into the year that the Rockets were um, not going to be contending for yeah. anything. There had been some talk about possibly a play-in team, um, but early on, that that was kind of. <laughs> I, yes. I, I, I think we saw early on that was probably not going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think the the development the, there was some development. We definitely saw some with Jalen Green towards the end. Um, he certainly got a lot more comfortable. I felt like early on he had been pressing a little bit. Also, you know, we know that he was he was hindered by the double big lineup with uh, Tice. Um, I just felt like Jalen just seemed a lot more comfortable uh, with his shot. I know I know he had to tinker with his form a little bit, so that might have been kind of part of the early slump. Um, I thought early on he was trying to dunk on everybody and just kept getting mauled yeah. <laughs> at the rim. Um, later on in the season, I felt like he, he got a little bit more crafty with his layup package because we know he's so athletic that, you know, that was never going to be a problem for him to finish around the rim, especially with a layup, with a layup touch. Um, so I, I like that. What I really was most impressed by, though, from a development standpoint, was Kevin Porter Jr.'s growth as a three-point shooter. Yeah. Because I remember I had a lot of questions about, you know, after last year he shot like 31% from three. That's below league average. Or If you're taking six attempts, which is what he yeah. was taking last year, you know, I was like, is this guy going to develop? And he finished the season out strong from three. I think he shot like 37.5% right around 38% on the season with more attempts. So that was actually very promising, um, my opinion. What about you? What are kind of some of your your uh, takeaways, thoughts? So I'm kind of at the same point. Um, I mean, if you look at it, yeah, they struggled at the beginning of the year. Um, I think that <laughs> it's kind of funny, but I think the double big lineup was kind of the nail in the coffin early on for Jalen Green's any chance he had a rookie of the year because we saw how it's just completely and wasn't even just a double big, it was a double big plus Jay Sean Tate was just yeah, non shooter. Yeah, that's just a, a horrible combination. Much as I love Jay Sean Tate, that's just completely um that completely changed the whole makeup of how Jalen Green could operate, like we saw at the end of the year. But I think he did get better. Um like you say, KPJ struggled at the beginning. Um, but again, I don't think people realize that he wasn't a point guard at all in college. Um, he didn't play it in high school. He didn't play it when he first came to leave for the Cavs. He was playing small forward. He may have played a little bit point forward, but he wasn't the primary ball handler. So, I mean, it's just going to take him time. And I think people forget he didn't come in at the beginning of last year for the Rockets. I mean, he came in, what, in March after he started off playing in the G League for the Vipers. So, yeah. I mean, this is really his first full season. It's, it was going to take him time. And then he's playing with a whole new um, shooting, uh, entirely new shooting guard. Has to get used to how he wants to play. And then, he, you know, you factor in also Apper and Shangoon, um, trying to factor in playing with him and then Josh Christopher. I mean, it was so much that they had to figure out throughout the season. Now, I think eventually he did start to figure it out and he started getting a lot better. Um, so he developed. Um, also, I also think, um, of course, apparition throughout the year. I know a lot of people have a problem with Coach Silas, but I honestly think that they brought him along perfectly um, just because whether he – I actually, I think he admitted at times that maybe he didn't wasn't in the best of shape or he wasn't used to the grind of the NBA. So I think that's why they brought him along slowly. I know everybody wanted to see him play 30 minutes a game, but do we really think he would have been that much better if he was playing 30 minutes a game and – getting in foul trouble and sitting on the bench majority of the time. I think, yes, it's something they could have did better with him. But overall, I think they brought him along perfectly. 
Josh Christopher got better throughout the year. Um, he still has some struggles, some things you have to work out, work out, but he got better throughout the year. Um, Uzma Garuba, well, I mean, he was injured most of the year. I'm not sure why people were saying the Rockets didn't play him correctly because he was not he was injured for pretty much the majority of the year. So it's kind of hard to get him in the rotation. Um, I mean, you got other players like Christian Wood. Christian Wood is Christian Wood at this point. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you're being on that, but I don't think he's going to get any better than he is right now. It's just a matter of him finding more than likely, honestly, a role with another team. Or the only way he's going to fit with this team is if he's if he's okay being a third or fourth option. He's never going to be the first option for this team. The Rockets have two more draft picks coming in next year, so he's not even going to be the second option. He has to be okay being that third or fourth option and not trying to be um, Kevin Durant or Giannis bringing the ball up the court on, off of every fast break. That's just not his – that's not going to help the Rockets in the long run. So, again, I, I don't see – I don't really judge his um, development on the coaches because he is who he is at this point. The one play I'm kind of still disappointed how the coaching staff ran him out there was KJ, KJ. KJ Martin. It's just because at some point, even if you want to see Jay Sean Tate as your starter because he is has been your most consistent player the last two years, you have to see that KJ Martin is playing better than Jay Sean Tate and that he yeah. fits better with the starters. So that I did not understand. I mean, either one of us are the type that's just gonna just every single thing we're gonna blame Coach Silas for. But yeah. this case, I, I don't personally understand what their thinking was pretty much throughout the entire year. I don't think there was a game where if Jay Sean Tate was healthy that K.J. Martin actually started over him. I think the only time K.J. Martin started was when Jay Sean Tate wasn't playing. So I don't understand that logic. Um, I mean, what do you think about that as far as how they handle K.J. Martin, who started off slow last year, played in the G League, came on strong the last two or three weeks of the year, and kind of this year they just didn't seem like they knew what they wanted to do with him. Yeah, that's kind of my, my thoughts too. Um, he actually played less uh, from, from a minute standpoint this year than he did last season, um, which is kind of surprising because he entered last season as a project, viewed as a project. We went to IMG Academy. Um, he chose not to go to Vanderbilt. So there were questions about is the NBA ready? Yeah. You know, will it take time? And I think that we were all probably surprised and encouraged based on how he played last season. Um, so coming into this season, it felt like he would have been more of a staple in the rotation and that just didn't really happen. And I don't understand why, because, um, the three point shot is, was there, you know, he's 36%, great, great two attempts, yeah. not a lot of volume, but 36% shooter. Um, we know he is also insanely athletic, um, which, when he harnesses out on the defensive end, we saw him get a lot of blocks last season, especially. Um, so I expected him to get a little bit more playing time. Um, and it just didn't really happen. And like you said, you know, if, if you were playing, if you were playing uh, somebody who was better than him in front of him, um, or even more than him, then that which would really be kind of a moot point. But yeah. uh, I don't really think that was a case this season, you know. And even if, even if, even if you felt like, well, he's not deserving of, let's say, twenty-eight minutes, um, he was still deserving of more playing time than he got yeah. for sure. Yeah. And what was your thoughts on? Again, just to uh, kind of reiterate what we were, uh, I kind of discussed in the opening. What was your thoughts on KJ Martin's or KJ Martin Senior? Kenyon, uh, Kenyon Martin. Uh, what, what was your kind of your thoughts on what he said? It seemed like some people kind of took it out of context, making it like, well, he's just saying he didn't, he don't want KJ Martin playing for the Rockets. I, from what I got, it sounded like he was saying he wants to see him in a winning environment. And some people, for some reason, I don't know why people took that and were mad about that. I mean, I would think that any father would say that. I mean, who wants to see their son? Not only is he not playing, but then he's on a team that's not winning. I mean, if he was on a team like, let's say, Golden State not playing, that's one thing. But he's on a team that had the worst record for the second straight year, and he's like, well, I want my son to be on a team that's winning. That doesn't necessarily mean that K.J. Martin may be thinking the same thing and he's ready to move on. But what was kind of your thoughts on, you know, his – 
uh, appearance on uh, Sirius XM podcast where he was talking about his son and his possible future. Well, very similar to what you said. I mean, you know, he's going to – any father, you know, would would, would probably have that take. Um, you got to understand the amount of time that he's invested already in his son, yeah. you know, as a basketball player. So, if anything, you know, he probably feels like he knows what his son is capable of more than any of us, and we are all saying that he should have got more playing time. So you know his dad, you know, his thoughts on that are are heightened by, like, you know, a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wasn't surprised at him saying, you know, I wanted my son to be – to be honest, I think even if the Rockets were – because you mentioned the Warriors, even if the Rockets were, were battling for the 10th seed to play in, and he was getting 26 minutes a night, I, I bet Kenya, I bet Kenya Martin would, would probably be happy with that. Yeah. You know, but he's looking at it like this is like you said the worst team in the league. My son not even really getting any playing time. Uh, gotten worse, you know, in terms of playing time. Gotten less this season than last year when he had already kind of proven himself more than coming in as a rookie. Um, so I wasn't surprised. Now he said something that I really was kind of curious. Nobody really talked about. He said the way the organization is handling certain <laughs> things. Yeah. And he didn't dive into the details of that. Um, I, I'm really curious as to kind of what, what, he, what he meant by that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I would think that should have definitely been a follow-up question. Because when I saw that, I was like, now is he talking about the way they're playing their rookies or the way that they, they got too many veterans on the court or the John Walsh? I mean, there's so many things they could actually – he could be actually right, right, talking right. about. So it's kind of hard to nail down exactly what he's talking about. But, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Maybe at some point um, somebody can ask him that. I mean, I would love to ask him that. But maybe at some point somebody can ask him, like, what exactly did he mean by that, just so he can kind of clarify. Because – he did kind of mention at the end, it, I don't think it was anything directed towards the Rockets, but uh, toward the end of the podcast, he kind of mentioned, well, because um, they were talking about uh, KJ Martin and kind of his next contract possibly because they say, well, you're trying to get your son that bag or whatever. He was like, yeah, but I don't want to get in too much trouble because a lot of these NBA types now, front offices are sensitive. It was something along those lines. So I don't think that was directed towards the Rockets you know, per se, but it, it, it seems like he definitely had a lot more to say than he was saying, and he didn't want to get his son in trouble. So, right. I mean, who knows what's happening, you know, in the background. I and mean, I think for the most part, from what we saw, I think we kind of agree that um, it seems like Rafael Stone and the front office are on the same page, and they seem like they're kind of go, going in the right direction. But, I mean, again, individual players, uh, players' parents, they're not always going to see eye to eye with the organization. The organization probably has a bigger picture in mind than, of course, than just KJ Martin Jr. So, you know, I guess we'll kind of see how all that plays out, especially in this next year. I think that's when we'll really see what they feel about him because if he's still not, you know, playing more minutes next year, then I don't see at what point he's going to play because they're going to be getting into free agency heavily in the next couple of years. And then you're bringing in more draft picks. And, you know, possible trades. So, at some point, if he's still not playing, then they're probably – I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, he's under a contract for another two years, if I'm not mistaken, under this rookie contract. Um, I think it's something along those lines. So, yeah, so he's still one way or another is under team control. But, I mean, we know how players are these days. If they want to get off a team, they'll find a way to get off of, get off that team, whether they're on the contract or not. Um yeah, it looks like he's got two more years. Two more years, under yes. Under team control. Yeah, so, I mean, even if he's not happy, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still up to the Rockets whether they want to trade him or play him. And, I mean, hopefully they see that, you know, they, you know, he brings value. It's all going to kind of depend on who they draft in that first pick, something we're going to talk about in the second segment. But for now, the way the team is constructed, he's the best option at – um small forward or power forward, however you want to see they're going to do with Christian Wood. I mean, there's so much stuff we can talk about in this first show that's going to take two hours, but we're trying to condense this down <laughs> to like 40 minutes in this first one, and we'll have time to kind of stretch it out uh, between now and the draft. But one other thing I do want to get to before we get into the second segment, I wanted to ask you, because another hot topic, well, two quick hot topics I want to get to. It may not be quick answers, but 
KPJ and Christian Wood, those are t- the two most polarizing players as far as there are some people that think they're good and some people think they're the worst players in the league. At least with Aperin Shangun, he may have been polarized as far as people thinking he should play more minutes, but for the most part, nobody's saying, hey, we should trade Aperin Shangun. Well, I'll take that back. Most people aren't saying that. Some people seem to have gotten bored and started bringing that up, but most people aren't saying that. So what's your opinion of K- KPJ as the starting point guard for the Rockets, and do you see him as the future starting point guard? Let's just say they don't draft a point guard. Do you see them going full term with him in the next two or three years at point guard? And then secondly, what's your overall impression of Christian Wood? And do A, do you think they want to trade him? And B, do you think they're going to be able to trade him either this offseason or before uh, the trade deadline? So I'll start with the second one first, uh, Christian Wood, because um, I think that's much easier to answer. (laughs) 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 I mean, like you said earlier, he's a finished product for sure. At this point, um, what you're getting out of him is is exactly what you see. Like, I don't know that he's going to improve his game. Um, especially if he's on a if he's on a contending team where he's gonna probably have less shots. Yeah. Um, so I think Christian Wood is certainly gonna be um, out the door. He's only got one year left on his deal. He's hinted at that he wants a max. He's not a max player. Um, it's, now, first of all, it shouldn't be a surprise that he said he wants a max because yeah, players course. should say that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but he's got a year left. I don't really see the Rockets making a a uh, a contract offer to extend him. I don't also don't know why you would at this point. You got you still got a rebuilding team. I, I I don't think you need a max contract on the books um, as a rebuilding team, at least not for him per se. Um, they they said it, they tried trading him reportedly at the deadline to the Lakers um, for Russ and that pick. So the fact that that's out there that they did at least had those conversations about moving him. I don't think they would be talking about moving the guy who they saw as a part of their long-term um, yeah. future. So I think Christian Wood is going to be traded for sure. It's just a matter of what they want for him. How much do they value him? And is that equal with what his value is around the league? I think you probably want a first round pick and a promising player on a rookie deal. Um, I think that's fair, fair return. You, you're not going to get a lottery player. Um no. But, you know, again, a, a player who's probably was a mid to late first round pick um, who still got some promise, some potential. The Suns have a guy who was like that um, big man. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, uh, was it, uh, the one that just traded to Indiana? Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, Jalen Smith? Jalen Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I'm thinking about. Um, he, he's to me the type of player. When I say young, promising player, he's yeah. probably the type that that I think that you will want along with the first round pick. Again, yeah. you're not going to get a lottery pick for Christian Wood. So if you get a like, let's say twenty, I think I think sixteen to twenty five range, uh, it's probably fair fair value. But I I don't see him as part of the long term future. Now KPJ is different. Um, you put an article out about this recently, which is something that I've been saying a long time. People lose sight of this. When you hear the phrase point guard in 2022, it doesn't mean what it meant in 1990 or even 2000. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. like people think of the point guard mold, like a Jason Kidd, you know, a traditional pass first point guard, Magic Johnson. People yeah. think like that. That's not really what it is now. We're in a positionless era of basketball. Your starting point guard does not have to be your primary creator or facilitator. You yeah. know, um, LeBron James has been a good example of that. He, I mean, he basically plays point, but he's technically a small forward. You know, Jokic is another example. Jokic is a center, but he's your he's averaging eight eight assists a game. Like yeah. there are a lot of games where he he gets triple doubles because again he he's your primary creator. So I don't think that your point guard has to be your primary facilitator. Um, so with that being said, I feel like there is a there is there, well I'll say this there could be a long term future for KPJ. Obviously, he's got to get a new contract. Um, different opinions on what what, he, what he's worth. Um, I think he's probably fifteen to twenty million a year. 
yeah. within that range, probably fair value for him. Biggest concern to me is is the off the field, sorry, field off the court stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm still thinking about football because of draft <laughs> this, yeah. this weekend. Uh, but the, the biggest thing to me is the off the court, you know, concerns, and maybe not off the court as in like legal troubles, but just more so from a standpoint of attitude, maturity. Um, he's still a very young player, and at his age, we were all, you know, immature. Oh, um, so that's you know, it shouldn't really be as much of a surprise. But, but I think the biggest question is, as he, you know, ages and gets older, are these things happening less? And that hasn't really been the case. Um, granted, I feel like since he's been in Houston, he, he's 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 been he's been a model citizen, we could say. Um, he's had a couple incidents. The incident where he, you know. Well, going home was the, the, a smaller story. Um, there was a lot more to that, but but that in general, like just leaving the arena, you know, blow up in the locker room at halftime, yeah. you know, um, that kind of thing. If you're if you're going to invest, even if it's just fifteen twenty million a year, because that's not that's not max money. If you're going to invest that in a player, you know, I would like to know that this guy is all in. He's bought in. Um, but, but in spite of that, I, I do still think that to answer the question, I'm rambling here, but there is a long-term future for KPJ. Um, even, even if he's listed at the point guard spot, as long as you have a primary creator in your starting five that he, you know, besides him, I think. What about you? Yeah. And I think that's where Shane Goon comes in. I mean, yep. everybody says how great he is a passer. He is a very good passer. He has a great, uh, you know, feel for the game already at such a young age. So, you know, and I'm glad you brought up Jokic because to me, the Jokic, Jamal Murray kind of um, duo is exactly what you can kind of see from, from a Shane Goon and a, uh, you know, KPJ because Shane Goon is going to be your primary ball uh, ball handler out of the top of the key. You don't necessarily need a traditional point guard. I mean, you can look at teams like Memphis. John Moran is not a traditional point guard. I mean, right. he's not really the guy that's setting up their offense. They're based more on movement and getting downhill and getting out on fast breaks. I mean, he still does get people involved, but he's not Chris Paul out there directing the offense. I mean, yeah. he's getting his points first, and then everybody's kind of feeding around him. And that's the same thing that can happen with KPJ because you have an airplane, Shane Goon. If they draft Apollo uh, Bancaro, that's exactly what the type of guy he is. He's a high post run the offense type player. So you don't need KPJ to be a traditional point guard. A traditional point guard is so outdated, like you said, anyway. It's, it's, it's just crazy. Everybody keeps saying we need a traditional point guard to help Jalen Green, even though he just had one of the best years to uh, – best end of the years for any rookie in, in history. And I don't yeah. think that's kind of overstating it, you know, the number of 30-point games and then a 40-point game to end the season. Yeah. So – we saw he can work with KPJ, and they generally – I mean, I know it's not always about liking each other on the court. You don't have to be friends on the court, but it definitely helps. Yeah. I mean, we saw that um, with James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they're great friends off the court, but on the court, you see it didn't work out because right. they didn't fit. And I think KPJ and Jalen Green can fit. Now, his next salary is kind of tricky because, like you said, I think he's more in the $15 million a year range. If he were to take that now, I would give it to him three year, fifteen million a year. I would give him that deal right now because I think that's about where he should be at. He's only twenty one years old. I mean, yeah. people may think he's closer to the Christian Wood age, but he's not. He's closer to Jalen Green's age. So, yeah. if you can get a guy like him, and like you said earlier, his three point shooting has improved dramatically yeah. since the beginning of the year. So, you can have a six six guy that can handle the ball, that can shoot. Hopefully that continue to get better on the defensive end. You definitely will pay him fifteen, sixteen, seventeen million dollars a year. I mean, yeah. the way the Rockets' salaries are going to be structured, I don't think that should be a big problem because John Wall is going to be off the books. That's yeah. a whole other topic to get to. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to next week. It's just like I said, there's so much stuff going on with the Rockets that you know we can fill three hours on the show on. But his numbers will be off the books eventually, one way or another. Like you say, Christian Wood's probably going to get traded um, because I just don't think that – I don't think he's going to be willing to stay with the Rockets for anything that he thinks he's worth. Now, whether he gets that or not, that's a whole different story. Um, so he's going to be off the books. Eric Gordon's going to be off the books. So you're going to have the money 
to give KPJ and still be able to go out and do a max player or two max players in two or three years or whenever they decide to yeah. really get into eighty-one creating. million. Exactly. Yeah, so not, not, not eighty-one million freed up. Um, eighty-one million exactly. With so Gordon Wall and Wood off the books. Off the books, just like that. So you can pay KPJ between fifteen and twenty million dollars a year. Now, if he's crazy enough to ask for twenty-five, thirty million a year, <laughs> then, then that's where the conversation stops. But I don't. I, I think he's more self-aware than that. To be to think he should be getting anywhere close to, you know, twenty-five million dollars a year. To me, like I said, if he can get if you can get him at fifteen million a year, you jump at that even now before his contract is even up. Um, because we saw with Dallas, the problem they're going to run into with Jalen oh, Brunson, he is no way in the world. I, I can't remember the exact number they were first offering him, but it was a pretty. I mean, I, at the time it made sense because he was still kind of, you know becoming the player he is now, but now there's no way they're going to get him at a bargain basement deal. He's not taking some home, you know, hometown discount. So right. they're going to have to come up with some money to keep him. And I don't even know if they're going to be able to do it. So you don't want to run into that situation with KPJ. I know a lot of people don't like him as a point guard, but even ultimately, if some reason he doesn't become your point guard, you still would want somebody like that on your team. He can, you know, eventually maybe he'll morph back into a small forward. Who knows? He can play multiple positions. So, you want to keep young talent like that around because you don't want to keep trying to find players like KPJ when you have a KPJ already on your team. Uh, one more uh, quick thought before we wrap up this first segment. Uh, what's just kind of your opinion on whether the Rockets, this is another thing I kind of been seeing floating around, whether the Rockets should uh, think about moving Jay Sean Tate? Um... So is he up on a new deal too, or has he got one more year left? I think I think he's got I've, one year. Yeah, left. I think he has another year left. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh, actually, two years. I think he. Yep. Yeah. So he's got one more year left. He's got a qualifying offer. Okay. Um, so that's probably why there's so much. I guess been so much chatter because he's got he's got a year left. Um, 27. The age is not really a thing for me because, yeah. I mean, he's he obviously was an older rookie. Um, I I do worry if his value has actually gone down this year from last year. I felt uh-huh. like he had so much a better season last last season. It feels like at least his impact um, was was felt a lot more. I think Jay Sean. I think it all depends on what you can get back for him. You get a first round pick, a late first round pick. Which you, I mean, you probably can't get to a first round pick for Tay. I feel like you probably would be getting a second. Yeah. Um, that might that might be worth it. The main thing is, again, as we talked about, I want to see KJ Martin getting more more burn, more playing time. You you you've got to do that. I mean, you you have to. There's not much much left for him to prove. I feel like so. There's not really a reason why he shouldn't have been, but. The fact that I think a lot of teams could use uh, a Jay Sean Tate, uh, especially on, on defense, um, he would be a lot more, I think, a lot more uh, helpful to a contending team versus, you know, a rebuilding team. That's just my thoughts. But you're probably going to get a second-round pick for him. Yeah. And, I mean, ultimately, like I've been saying, it's only one player to me that's untouchable. And – I don't even like saying untouchable because, I mean, if somebody offered you Luka Doncic for Jalen Green, I mean, I know I know a lot of people may not like Dallas Mavericks and all that, and they may say, oh, you crazy, we're not giving up. I mean, if somebody offered you a superstar for Jalen Green, a young superstar at that, I mean, you're definitely going to think about it. But Jalen Green is about as close as untouchable as you're going to get on this team. I don't yeah. even think Afro and Shangoon is on that level. I mean, I'm not looking to trade him, but if somebody's if somebody's asking for him, let's say in some type of mega deal where you're getting back a star young player, I'm not exactly going to not do the trade. I'm not going to be like the Lakers and not make a trade because they uh-huh. don't want to go Taylor Horton Tucker in a in a deal. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think Shane Goon's to the level of Jalen Green. So with Tate, I mean, yeah, he could be traded. Would I be looking to trade him? Probably not, just because he's low maintenance. I don't think he's going to throw a fit if he has to come off the bench. He gives you exactly what, actually what you need to come off the bench, someone that can get their own shot and that somebody that's going to play really hard defense and someone you can stick in at the end of games if you need a stop. 
you need those type of players on your team, and he's still fairly young. I mean, he's I mean, for he's not going to be a superstar, so I don't think his age, like you said, really matters as much. He's his main role is going to be as a role player. So him being twenty seven years old is not even a big deal at the end of the day because. Role players can be 35, 36 years old, and they still make an impact. I mean, heck, let me look at right. P.J. Tucker. He's still out there making a huge impact at 36, 37 years old. So those type of players, you can keep those players for several years and not worry about whether they're going to age out of our you know, projected rotation or whatever. I don't think that's going to happen with Jay Sean Tate. So, again, we'll kind of see how it plays out as far as him a starter, but I definitely would want him to be one of the main people coming off the bench. Um, that's going to wrap it up for this first segment. In the second segment, we're going to talk to me more about the upcoming draft, really more about the, the beginning of the draft, the Rockets' first pick, which hopefully is going to be a number one overall pick. We'll know that yes. here in the next few weeks. <laughs> um, we definitely don't want the Rockets to have a fifth pick because Rockets' Twitter would melt down if that yes. happens. Um, so <laughs> we're hoping at the very least it's uh, – that number one pick this time this year, I think the Rockets are old that. So we'll be talking about that in this upcoming segment. Also the playoffs that are ongoing right now. So please stick around and welcome back to clutch fans, Rockets fuel podcast. We are in our second segment of our very first show. And in this second segment, myself and AD, we're going to be talking about the upcoming draft, which of course is another huge draft for the Houston Rockets. Again, we're hoping the Rockets actually get that first pick. I think they're old after last year. I mean, it still worked out in the end. You know, they got Jalen Green, a very good player. But at the end of the day, of course, you want that number one pick. You want to have that ability to pick whoever you want to pick, and you kind of control everything after that. So let me start there by asking you, um, just looking at, you know, we all know who the top three players are. I mean, I know some people may uh, have – maybe a little bit of the different at number three, but I think for the most part, it's, you know, Bancaro, his homegrown and his Smith are pretty much everybody consensus top three in whatever order. So what's your particular order? If the Rockets had the first overall pick, who would you take? Well, first off, let me say, um, I honestly would be okay with any of those three. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think I'll lean more Chet Holmgren. Um, I think he is a, force in two man actions, uh, especially in pick and roll opportunities. Um, great on pick and pop uh, on defense. We know he's a, I think elite rim protector um, could be a great shot blocker. Also a really good rebounder. The Rockets really have struggled. I feel like in that department when it comes to crashing yes. the glass um, uh, in space, he, he recovers quickly. You know, he's got active hands in the passing lanes. I just like Chet Holmgren a lot. Uh, he will be the guy that I personally like. But, again, I'm also okay with, with Brancaro. I'm also okay with Jabari. Um, any of those top three. But I think I like uh, Chet Holmgren most. Yeah, I think we're kind of on the same page. And the reason I say Chet just because I want – I think you have to – I mean, you can never have too much offense. Don't get me wrong. Rockets are getting to the point where they need players that can affect the game on both ends of the court. And not to say that Ben Carroll is horrible on defense. I think that narrative is kind of a little overplayed. He's not bad on defense. But I just don't think that he can just completely change a game on a defensive end. He can be a you know a good, de- decent uh, defensive player, but he's not going to be a rim protector no matter how good he eventually becomes on defense. That's just not going to be his type of game. And I think that Chet brings you that edge that you need on a defensive end. Am I concerned about his weight? I mean, anybody be lying saying they don't. Is it overly concerning for me? Not necessarily because he's he's been dealing with that pretty much his entire life, and it hasn't stopped him from being a defensive player of the year um, and also one of the best just overall bigs in college in his first year. So I think that the, the, the size thing as far as his weight sometimes is something people use as a crush to say that they don't want to draft him. But his overall game – it's even more than just his defense. For most of the year, he shot almost 40% from three. He can handle the ball, not you know, to the point where he's going to be Christian Wood trying to bring the ball up every time he gets a rebound, but he can handle the ball good enough to where if you do give him the ball at the top of the key, he can kind of take advantage of mix, uh, mismatches in the paint and get to the uh, paint without fumbling the ball a la Rudy Gobert or somebody who can only score from two feet away from the basket. Um 
and he is able to stretch the floor because the problem the Rockets going to run into if they once they do decide to start Shangoon and if Shangoon doesn't get to a point where he's shooting better from outside, there's going to be the exact same problem they were having with Wood and um, Daniel Tice. They're not going to have any space. So yeah. I know Bancaro is a really good mid-range shooter. Um, he's great in the low post, and he's a great passer. But as far as his three-point shooting, maybe that's something that's going to improve, but it, it wasn't something he really did in college. We all know Jabari Smith is probably one of the best shooters in the draft, so that's not a concern yeah. for him. And we know he's one of the, also the better defenders in the whole draft class. Um, he has to work on, of course, his overall ball handling and things like that because he's not a type of player who's going to get his own shot. Um, but if I had a number one pick, I'm going Chet Holmgren just because I think he fits best with Jalen Green. Um, he fits best with Shangoon if you decide to start Shangoon, which, I mean, again, we'll definitely talk about this in other shows, but that may not be a guarantee coming into next year whether the Rock is actually going to start Shangoon. Um they, you know, some Shangun fans might be disappointed in that, but again, we'll talk about that at another time because that's a whole show by itself. But yeah. um, if they do decide to start him, you know, you definitely need somebody next to him that can help cover up him on the defensive end. I mean, he had a lot of good, you know, block shots and some good defense, but overall, teams seemed to go directly at him every chance yeah. they got, and it was a lot of times he was out of position, he was getting foul trouble. But if you have a player like Chet, that'll take off a lot of problems that he's had as far as overplaying and getting bullied down low. Now, people are going to try to bully Chet, just like um, Memphis did in the um, NCAA tournament where Duran was trying to go at him every chance he got. Physically, yeah. People are going to do that. But when you have an eight-foot wingspan, I mean, you could be under the basket and still affect shots. So, to me, that's why I just think that he's the – I know people are like, well, I don't want to, I don't want a player to just the best fit. But I mean, to me, if he's the best fit, he's going to be the best player for that particular team. So I don't think you necessarily have to just say, well, I want best player available. To me, best fit and best player available are the exact same thing, especially when it comes to the Rockets. So I'm fine with any of the three. I wouldn't lose any sleep. Just like last year, even though I was Evan Mobley from pretty much the entire offseason. Um, I mean, I remember we even, yeah, we even discussed this in a couple of podcasts. I had I, at no time that was I discrediting Jalen Green or saying I didn't want Jalen Green. So right. it's the same thing this year. I'm fine with any of the top three. Now, once you get out of the top three, that's when it becomes dicey. Because <laughs> I don't necessarily if I know if I want Ivy, Jaden Ivy, just because, again, where exactly is he going to play? I mean, he can be the best player available, but he can't be the best player available if he has nowhere to actually get time on the court. Um, and then you have other players that you know can possibly move up to that that four seed. Washington, maybe. I mean, he, Shannon Sharp. He just you know decided that he's jumping into it. Um, so you have other players, and to me, um, that's kind of where I want to go next. If the Rockets fall out of that top three. Who's the player that you're looking at that you would go with at that number four pick? Um, I still think for me it's probably Jaden Ivey. Um, he he would probably be the the person that I would um, that I would want to get. Um, I, I think there are some valid concerns about his defense. Uh, at times he is a little bit slow on rotations. Um, but all in all, I mean, and and, and also, I mean, I, I understand, you know, that, he, you know, there may be some concerns about, you know, he, he's definitely not not a perfect or perfectly polished player. Uh, he yeah. is he is electric in the, in the open court. He's got you know, he's got great speed. Um, I just think that, you know, obviously, we you know, he's, he's got a great handle, um, but he probably would be my my pick. Uh, if we end up getting four and the top three are gone. Or trading down is also an option, too. And that's actually I was, the next question I was about to ask you. What, what would the chances be that you would trade down and possibly try to get um, more picks for this year or maybe um, trade down and get a pick for next year? What, like, what, what would be the chances that you would do a trade down compared to actually just keeping that pick? Is it 50-50? Is it 
I would not be opposed to trading that pick at all. Um, yeah. As far as the cha- – I mean, it, I guess it depends on what you're going to get back. You know, if you're – you're probably going to get – a. you usually would take a, a, another first-round pick, obviously aside from yeah. whatever pick you end up getting. Um, so two firsts for your, you know, pick is fine. Um it's, yeah, it's, something, it's definitely something that I would do. It depends on – I mean, it depends on how they feel about, you know, the whatever the rest of the class is outside of the top three. Um, and also, I think it depends on how the rest of the league feels. Like, is there a team that's going to be really – you know, that really likes Ivy, per se, at four? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm sure based on Stone that he he's always – he always makes it pretty clear that, you know, everything is an option or a possibility. Um, so I think that's, yeah, I mean, that would be a smart decision. It's, it, sounds, it sounds like you're not too sold on Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, to me, he's more of a high-volume type player. Yeah. And people were already complaining about Jalen Green not getting enough touches as it is. So now you're bringing in a Jaden Ivy. And where exactly are you putting Ivy at point guard and moving KBJ to small forward? And if you're doing that, you're going to have even less shots for Jalen Green and Apper and Shankoon because I know Ivy can be a ball distributor, but that's not really his main focus. So then you're trying to work in another player in the backcourt along Jalen Green. So now you're adding another year of development. So it's just like, to me at this point, Jalen Green is your foundation and you need to start building around him. So, to me, you already have a point guard that he's comfortable with. So, now you're going to bring in another one who is fine if you're doing that at the back end of the draft. But you bring him in at the number four pick, you're not bringing him in to go in and play in the G League. You're bringing him in to come in and actually start for your team. So, then that's when you run into a problem. And, again, to me, fit means more than people are making it out to be. These players have to fit next to Jalen Green. Yeah. Last year, it didn't matter. You didn't have to fit nobody next to anybody because, I mean, you just started from the beginning. See, but now, had. yeah, now you got Jalen Green. Now you got Shangoon. And, you know, much as people love Shangoon, that means that you got to have players that actually fit with Shangoon. You can't just stick anybody next to him and think he's going to, you know, thrive next to that player. Because as much as we like Shangoon, it's still, he still has a certain game type that you need next to him. You need a, Miles Turner type center that can shoot and can defend next to him. I like Chet Holmgren, and that's why I like Chet Holmgren so much. So, if it comes down to they got the fourth or fifth pick, I mean, I'll look hard at Shane, you know, at Sharp, yeah. kind of see what you think about him. I mean, he didn't really, he didn't play at all last year, so I mean, it's kind of hard to even know exactly what you're going to get from him. I mean, you can also look at a Keegan Murray. Yeah, he's another type of guy. But outside of those two players, I don't, I'm I'm not interested in Adrian Griffin. I'm not interested in Duran that high. Um, it's not really that many other people that I'm just you know so in love with that I would take with that four pick. I would definitely look. I mean, if the Thunder want to trade up, they can give up their first their two first round picks. I would do that deal. Just yeah. me personally, you can get two more picks in the first round. That'll be three total. I mean, there's plenty of other players that you can take a, a swing with, like a Usman Dang. He's definitely somebody that I hate that everybody keeps talking about because now he's just going to keep shooting up the board. Yeah, he's not even going to be around at 17. I mean, there's several other players that the Rockets could possibly end up looking at. So we'll just hope that they don't follow that top three because that's when it starts to get dicey on, yeah. on, on what what the Rockets need to do. Um before we wrap up the show, I also want to kind of get your opinion on the playoffs on how they've went so far. I mean, we've seen some crazy things happening, injuries left and right. Joel Embiid yeah. Joel is going to be out for a while with the orbital fracture. Um, also, he had a mild concussion. Why exactly he was in the game when they were up 30 with four minutes left? I have no idea. Luckily, that's not my team, so I don't have to think about it too much. But if it was my team, I would probably be losing my mind at this point. So, now James Harden is going to be going up against Miami in the second round. It was already, I already was going to pick Miami anyway, but now I, I would be shocked if if 
if they're able to beat Miami in a seven-game series. And then you had the Western Conference, which was kind of just up and down, kind of all over the place. So what's kind of been your opinion of the first round so far uh, this year? Second round is actually kicking off tomorrow. Uh, good first round. Solid first round. Um, we, we didn't have any sweeps, um, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we didn't have any sweeps. Um, we had some um, we- I- No, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was any sweeps. I think the closest was Milwaukee, Chicago. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't any sweeps. I think everybody at least won one. Oh, no, take that back. <laughs> the one team that you didn't think was going to get swept got swept, Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how I forgot about that. Um, yeah, that, that that was a surprise for sure. Yeah. The team I did not think would get swept. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I thought we had solid solid action. We had some really close games. Yeah. Um, I, I love that Memphis-Minnesota series, man. Yeah, I hated it in um, go seven. Yeah, man, that, that was a nice that, – that's about how I thought uh, Brooklyn-Boston would have gone, to be honest. Yeah. Um, that Pelicans series, man, the Pelicans are fighting. Now, granted, the Suns didn't have Booker. That made it a lot easier. But yeah. I, thought, I thought they got some solid play out, out of some – you know, that coach Willie Green, he got the most out of that roster for sure because yeah. I would not look at that roster up and down and thought that, you know, they would go toe-to-toe with, you know, the Western Conference champs or with this year's Phoenix Suns teams. Um, So that was good. Um, Toronto fought back against Philly. I actually initially picked them, picked Toronto to win the series. Um, But they had some injuries early on in the series. I thought Scotty Barnes came back and really, you know, duped it out, uh, gave them all he had. That was a really good series. Um, Atlanta Atlanta felt like more of a sweep. Obviously it wasn't, but it, it felt like, I mean, like I knew that they were, you know, not not gonna be able to, to go toe to toe with uh, Miami, but yeah, um, we got some we got some good minutes out of out of um, Oladipo, man. Picked Oladipo, <laughs> close out, close out artist uh, Oladipo. He helped close him out. Amazing. Never hang a lot. I didn't see that coming at all. You know, I also I also thought Denver. I mean, obviously Denver was not gonna they were not gonna win that series at all, but. But I thought Jokic played really well, man. I know some people saying, well, they shouldn't win the MVP because they got, you know, manhand- you know manhandled. But it's a regular season award, first of all. And actually, yeah. I thought Jokic played his – like, he gave them all he had in that series. Yeah. You know? I mean, he's playing with a bunch of G-leaguers. And don't get me wrong, I got nothing against G-leaguers. They, they're some yeah. really good players in G-league. <laughs> but yeah. when you're playing against Golden State, you need more yeah. than um, – so and so and so and so and and Mister, I don't want to play for the Rockets anyway. Aaron Gordon, you need more than that yeah. to actually win against the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they got some good minutes out of Boogie too. Now Boogie Cousins play play some big big minutes, especially in that last game. Yeah, and I think he can do that for another couple of years. He can be the type of guy to come out and play five or ten minute stretches and yeah. and give you some type of something off the bench, just as long as you're not asking to play 20 or 30 minutes like the Rockets were doing at some point last year. Yeah. Yeah. Second round should be good, though. Uh, yeah. I know it gets kicked off tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to that Memphis. Um, um, Golden Memphis, State. Yeah, Memphis yeah. Golden State should be good. And then we got Milwaukee, Boston. I think Boston will win that because I think Milwaukee is going to be missing Middleton. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I'm honestly not, you know, just because of uh, Bill Simmons, I was looking. I'm not looking forward to Boston winning anything. Cause oh yeah, I, I would have to just completely block his name from Twitter if I if they win anything. But right. yeah, I, I think it's going to be some really good series. So who do you see um, coming out of these uh, second round series and getting to the conference finals? So I got Miami beating Philly, um, which which makes me happy to say. Man. <laughs> 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 Um, I've got Phoenix beating Dallas, even though I think that that has some potential uh, yeah. to go to go seven, especially the way, like you said, the way Brunson's been playing. Um, I'm I'm still picking Golden State, even though Memphis is a higher seed. Memphis turned the ball over a lot against Minnesota. Yeah, it just so happened that Minnesota couldn't hold on to a lead, so it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, you don't want you don't want to turn the ball over against Golden State, man. You don't oh, want to no. do that. Yeah, they're not going to be coming back three or four games down double digits against yeah, Golden State. That's, that's, not not, that's not happening. Especially not in their house either. That's no. not happening. Um, so I got to go to State winning that series, even though I really want Memphis to. Uh, like I said, I got Boston beating Milwaukee because uh, I think the Milton injury is tough. 
Um, yeah, that's, yeah. No, well, that's all of them. I mean, what about you? yeah, it's pretty. I hate to say it, but it's pretty straightforward. I mean, I could be the only one I think has potential for a surprise. I, I still give um, Milwaukee a fighting chance just because. And I know there's still a lot of hardened people here in Houston that don't like Giannis and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, come on. Giannis is a beast. I mean, he, right. he can literally go out there and give you 30 and 20 easily. Yeah. And and, and won't, you wouldn't even be shocked about it. So, right. if he can get anything from, I mean, players like Drew Holiday or, um, or Bobby Portis, uh, Brooke Lopez, if you get anything else from any of those type players, um, they have a, a small chance. I mean, I, I, I don't think Boston's are world beaters. I mean, they're a good team. Right. But, I mean, outside of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, is there anybody you like, okay, wow, they can really go off and, and have a really great series? I mean, they have a lot of just really good players. But, yeah. you know, it, it's not like they have a ton of firepower. So, yeah. I mean – I give him a fighting chance just because of, because of Giannis and maybe, you know, maybe Drew Holiday has a really great series and they're able to keep it close. But outside of that, I don't see Memphis going further than six games. I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked if it's 4-1 Golden State. Um, Phoenix-Dallas may go a little bit longer uh, just because of Luka. Um, yeah. But outside of that, that I mean, yeah, the problem they're going to run into is they were able to do that five-hour stuff with um, with Utah. But with Phoenix, it's going to be a lot harder because Aiden is going to actually punish them if they try yeah. to do that against them. Right. And then you got Chris Ball and you got Booker and you got Br- – I mean, New Orleans actually has more firepower than Dallas. The funny thing is Dallas is not really a good offensive Phoenix, team. Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Then, uh, yeah. Then, uh, yeah. So, I mean, Dallas is not really a, a great offensive team. They're actually one of the better defensive teams, something I didn't see coming into this year. That's actually how they win a lot of these games is with their defense. And I just think they're going to have a hard time slowing down Phoenix because they don't have anybody that can harass um, Chris Paul like New Orleans did. New Orleans yeah. had two or three people. As much as, yeah, and as much as we hate on Herb Jones, some people hating on him in Houston. I mean, he actually did a really good job at times against Chris Paul, even though Chris Paul did like just have one of the best games of all time. Um, I know some people in Rockets Twitter were losing their minds when they were watching Chris Paul's again, but <laughs> but they, they have players that can actually at least, you know, make them work for it. I just don't see that with Dallas. I mean, Brunson's not really a great defensive player. Um, I don't see anybody they really have that can – Spencer Dinwiddie, I, he actually was like a no-show against Utah. So, I, like I said, I don't see it going past six at the most – I wouldn't be surprised again if Phoenix wins 4-1. So I think most of these second-round series are actually going to be boring, <laughs> unfortunately, really? compared to the first round, just because I don't see upset potential. But, again, I didn't really see that much in the first round, so maybe I'm wrong. I'm hoping for it. Um, I think the, the, the most lopsided series out of all of them is Miami-Philadelphia. Yeah. I, I don't – you know, if Philadelphia doesn't win a game, I wouldn't be shocked. And not just because, you know, I got anything against James Harden. It's just I don't believe that without Embiid, I mean, yeah, who's going to give him points? Stiebel? I mean, to me, to me, it would have been tough with Embiid, exactly. uh, especially against yeah. that defensive man on the bio. Yeah. And with P.J. Tucker, it's going to be harassing Harden all over yeah. the court. Because last year, he didn't get the opportunity because he was playing. They were Durant. playing Brooklyn. He's on Durant. But now, I mean, he doesn't have to worry about it. I mean, they don't have really. I mean, you have Maxi. Yes, don't get me wrong, but I don't think Miami's really overly concerned about Tyrese Maxi at this point. I mean, Danny Green, Tobias Harris. I mean, they were struggling against Toronto for a reason, even before Embiid got hurt, because they just don't have enough weapons outside of those two, and right. now they don't have one. So, I guess we'll see how it all plays out. Um, Either way it goes, we can just sit back and, and relax. And, yeah. But hopefully next year we're not sitting back and relaxing again in April. I, I, I'm kind of tired of actually relaxing during these playoffs. I want to really? I, I actually have something to get excited about. I think two years of, of being the worst team in the league for me is enough. I'm, oh, ready actually, sure. I'm ready to actually see some important basketball back, at least in April. I mean, even if they're not actually you know into the second round next year, I don't expect that. But – 
at least be fighting for the play-in next year. Uh, that's all I'm hoping for. But for now, I'm just hoping for a first overall pick, and we'll yeah. just kind of go from there. <laughs> um, <laughs> before we wrap it up, sir, if you can get, let everybody know where they can find uh, find all your content. You can find me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett. Uh, I'm also on IG now, although I never really get on, uh, and that's Antho Duckett. But, yeah, yeah you can check, can check me out on there. I'm always up for a, a good sports debate also. Um, so, yeah, just check me out. Yeah, and again, man. I'm looking forward to the future episodes and we're going to have a lot of, a lot of great guests like we've always had in the past. Um, But it'll be actually a little bit different because me and AD will actually be talking to these guests. Um, So looking forward to that. Like I said, Dave's going to be part of a lot of our shows coming up. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at CF rockets fuel It's actually with an S in the actual uh, Twitter handle. Uh, Make sure you follow us on Twitter uh, this first episode is going to be up on Apple. Uh, episodes going forward are going to be on all platforms wherever you find your podcast. So make sure you're definitely subscribing to us on Apple and Spotify. Um, like I said, this one will be out uh, sometime later today. So make sure you're checking that out. And like, like I said, we look forward to having you back uh, next week. We're going to have a lot of great shows. Eventually, we're going to get up to two shows a week. So make sure you're checking them out. Eventually, maybe we even have some of y'all on here to help us debate some of these topics. So uh, definitely keep an eye out. We appreciate you joining us for our very first show. And um, definitely check out uh, the next episode of Clutch Fans Rocket Fuel Podcast.